Hello, and thanks for joining me for episode six of The Replay. This is the last in this series of my conversations with Chicago's mighty Joe Felisco about his list of fundamentals for playing the harmonica. In this episode, Joe and I discuss my own suggestions for fundamentals which build on the ones that he's already suggested. Now, before we get into that, just a quick reminder of our live event coming up on September the 26th, 2020, where Joe and I will be hosting a live session of The Replay. This is an opportunity for you to ask us questions about the series and to open up the debate. Look out for announcements about how to get tickets on my Facebook page, Twitter, or you can sign up to my email list at leesankey.com. So here we go, episode six. So we've talked about the, the, these fundamentals and obviously preparing to do this. I was thinking about, yeah, yeah, what, 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 what things would I I include? And I, the, the, the rationale behind this, this five that you put together, Joe, is very much about the mechanics of actually playing and really how you produce sound on the harmonica and, 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 and the options are opened up by using uh, tongue blocking. So this this is meant to be sort of condensed and focused around that. You're you're not you're not saying here's literally everything. This is very much focused around the mechanics of playing, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, and and I, I think we've got in terms of the sound and the, and the stars we've been talking about. This this is this is a great list. Things that I just want to throw into the mix to the to the left of that list if you want so some additional things which are kind of maybe a bit blurred on the borders when it comes to maybe things like um things which are related to mechanics or slightly different i, I i've got five that i that i want to uh talk to you uh, about It'd be great to hear your your th- thoughts on them uh, so I'll just read them out and then we'll, we'll, we'll circle back. So, so, so my five fundamentals to add to this, we're, uh, which kind of blur, as I said, would be listening skills in a digital age, building your brain instrument, in other words, your mental model of the, of the, of the harmonica, music theory, playing in different positions, and playing different keys of, of of harps so if i if i think about the fundamentals of of of, of playing these 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 feel like some some additional things to kind of throw into the into the mix so if we start with the first one listening skills in a digital age so the reason why i i would inc- include this and it'd be great to hear your your thoughts on this Joe and especially with your, your experience being so prominent on the scene and, and, and teaching and touring, it is, we now live in an age of a, a, an abundance of information. And so anyone can look anything up on YouTube. There's incredible resources available to you if you're learning anything, including the harmonica, right? And so there's people, like yourself and Ronnie Shelmless and Adam Gusso and Tomlin Lecky and all these people are producing all this, all this, all this, all this content. So things are laid out for people in a way. And while this is good, you and I learn in a way where we had to spend, you know, hundreds of hours, thousands of hours listening 
to deeply, deeply without tabs going, what is going on there? How is he doing that? And, you know, rewinding tapes, rewinding things until they broke. I mean, I've broken CD players, <laughs> worn tapes out, worn records out through listening to things. I can tell from your, uh, I've lost like countless cups of tea and coffee that have go gone cold. You know, you know, you, you go uh, uh, meals that have been burnt because I've I put something on and then gone back to listening to a, to, to a solo. Right now, the downside of that is obviously it takes a long time. But the upside of it is that you develop the, the mental machinery around listening. And I worry in a way that, and I myself is part of this problem, is that you put content out there and you lay it out for people but we're we perhaps we are not giving enough emphasis and attention to the simple act of being able to listen which is a skill that you grow over time to recognize all oh, right he's doing that or okay the, the, he that those are the whole notes right um so for me this is a fundamental skill people have to have alongside everything that you've outlined here is that ability to listen beyond listening to a piece of music just to enjoy it but to listen to it in a more analytical way to really deconstruct what is happening music the art of sound the art of listening um I completely agree with you. If if you if we were to listen to a, a riff of five notes being played, and I was going to sit down with a pen and pencil, pen and paper, and write down what I'm hearing, I'm fairly confident that my assessment, my transcription, what I would hear would probably be de more detailed than what most anybody else would play or excuse me, what most anybody else would hear due to the listening skills that I've developed listening to those great recordings. I mean, I'm talking about listening like so that you can imagine the backside of the, the riff, not even necessarily the front side of the riff, but the backside of the riff. Um, I've had many situations where I'm working with somebody to try to play a classic solo, uh, classic song. And I'm surprised that I can listen to the recording and I can hear the harmonica going on very clearly, despite drums going on, bass going on, piano going on, and the guitar and somebody singing. And I can hear the harmonica line perfectly through all of that, just through the... Uh, time that I've spent listening. So most certainly uh, that is that is the trenches. That is where you develop your skill, just sitting down and rewinding it and listening and hearing it over and over and over again. I know a lot of people that will work with me will get, you know, work on the songs that I've developed. And I, and I think that those songs are very distilled. Uh, but I try to always remind people that 
this song is in the flavor of big Walter Horton, so on and so on. And I'm trying to encourage people to go back to the source and really study those great players. But it's it might become a rarer and rarer thing to experience somebody that really goes back and listens to it, listens to the original source stuff. Right, when they just have the tab and, and they think they've got the essence of it. Because I, I don't know about you, but my, my, my journey as a, as a player has definitely been you basically get a handle on something. Let's say it's a riff or a solo. Let's say it's playing off the wall or a Sonny Terry thing. And you and you'll listen to it and you'll do it and you and you and you think, okay, I've got that. And then you come back to it a while later and listen to it again and you realize you <laughs> in fact have not got it. And and there's a process of of getting closer and closer over over a period of time. There's music plays tricks on you in the in the sense of yes, you think you've mastered something and when in fact You've, you, you, you've still got a, a long way to go. Uh, or even, even, even things like tone, you, you, you'll, you'll listen to something and you'll try and get that tone. You think, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting close to that kind of sound. And then you'll, you'll listen back or you're listening to a recording of yourself doing the same tune or whatever. And you'll realize that your tone is 50% or less of, of, of what, what you're aiming for. So unless you go through this this, this, I don't know, this, this, the, these periods of, 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 of listening and developing your, your ears, you, 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 you're going to miss out on a lot if you just simply listen and just use tabs and listen to music as a listener, not from an analytical perspective. I, I feel quite, and, and it, and I view it as a skill that, that, that's at risk of being lost because learning is becoming too easy. I've transcribed Juke many times. The first time I transcribed it, I'm sure that I was listening predominantly for what is the melody that is being played and caught, you know, a lot of the tongue blocking stuff. But the last time that I've transcribed it, I'm, able to hear the cording that goes on, the very faint rhythmic cording that goes on that really ties in with how he's breathing and playing through the song. And it's, it's, it, it takes a lot of discipline to be honest with yourself and say, well, I'm doing a pretty good job playing it, but there's some kind of magic, there's some mojo that he's got happening that I'm not quite capturing. Um, when you talk about a player like uh, Rice Miller, for example, um, you hear uh, that same sort of variety, same sort of depth of layers that's happening, but then you hear that tone that he gets, that sharp, cutting yeah, pointed tone that he has in his playing and that's not a studio trick that's not a special harmonica that he has that is him playing that 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 recording is not lying it hasn't been altered 
it is actually him and that's the way he would sound if he was sitting in front of you playing so yeah so that that kind of stuff has become really um deeply fascinating to me um and it's so it's so much more beyond just playing the licks just playing the riffs correctly it's all the very all those variations which is what i said that i i think that if i sat down and i wrote out one riff by many of these players i would bring i would hear more detail than a lot of people would hear because of the the uh how sharp my ear hears that stuff. I, I don't. I don't mean that to brag. I, I'm really meaning that just to as evidence that I've really spent a lot of time listening to that stuff, trying to make sense out of that stuff, and uh, be able to say when somebody asks, "Well, what is the difference between Little Walter and Big Walter? What is the difference between Sunny Boy One and Sunny Boy Two? Actually, be able to say, well. That's a good question. Sonny Boy One would, he had a tone like this. He had, he had, he used tongue blocking this way. You'd never hear Sonny Boy One do this thing. Sonny Boy Two had this going on and that, and he would never do this. And th these were his characteristic licks and tone and vibrato and, and really understand it from that kind of standpoint. Yeah. And, th and then I think, You've got the, and of course, if you understand the fundamentals of the harmonica from the mechanical point of view, if, you, if you've laid them out, you also are open to knowing what could be going on there. So you're listening from a perspective of, all right, that's a split. Okay, he's, he's, he's tongue switching there. That's one of these. So you can start to build together a much better picture of what's going on. But then you also get the layer of, if you're developing your listening skills from an analytical standpoint and just working that mental machinery of, of having to go and work stuff out, it also has a positive uh, knock-on effect of when you want to develop your own musicality. Because when you're it's fitting in with an uh, ensemble and you want to, it, everything from the licks that you choose to play how you translate, you know, the energy and the feeling that you're trying to create into musical phrases or when you are truly improvising, if you've developed the, your listening skills, it, it, it stands to reason your, your level of musicality and your, you know, the path to finding your own voice or your own expression is also going to be in, in, enhanced Whereas if you're just dealing with tabs or having to learn just purely through videos with everything set out for you, okay, you just do this, then, then I feel you, you, you're putting at risk your overall growth if you, if you don't develop these listening skills. I agree. It's, music is about listening. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'd like to say, too, because um, I remember the days where I had to put a song on a cassette tape and slow it down or or a, my CD player, uh, you know, rewind, 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 re rewind. Nowadays, they have got programs like Amazing Slowdowner. You can put yeah. the song in and 
not only can you very precisely snip out a phrase, a lick, a bar, but you can also uh, create practice loops for yourself where the lick will appear and then an equal amount of space will appear after the lick um, the, where there's nothing. So, so you can develop tremendous call and response skills by listening to little Walter play uh, a phrase from Juke and then you have a moment where you can try to replicate it. Then it'll go back and you can set up the program so it'll play it again and then you play it. You listen to it, then you play it. Listen to it and you play it. That is a fast track for developing listening skills, uh, setting it up in that call and response kind of format. Um, one of the things that that's very easy to develop, very bad listening habits, is uh, students or, or players will basically spend most of the time just listening to themselves practice. So if they are not doing something musically solid uh, or precise, if they're playing a bend that's a little bit out of tune and they keep doing it over and over and over, then they're going to memorize it that way. So one of the things that is so amazing about this modern times is software uh apps like this amazing slowdowner that I was speaking of. Just phenomenal learning tool. It's it's yeah. really mind blowing how powerful it is. Yeah, there's lot there's lots of great tools out there. I mean it's never it's never been a better time to, to learn anything. You know, programming, gardening, cooking, playing the ukulele, whatever whatever it is. Uh, because there's so much information there. It's it's all been democratized. But with as with much of technology, there's often a good side and a downside to it, and it's being aware of those those tensions between those the, the, those two. So I'm not saying technology is is a bad thing. I, I, I work in in technology, but it's just having that awareness. And when we're when we're talking about music, just don't forget to work on those ears and and try and set some time where you work stuff out yourself and don't just go to go to the tabs or go to go to youtube try and use your ears because long term that's going to give you it's going to pay dividends um with things that you can do uh so so that's so that's the, the first fundamental i would throw into the list next one is this idea of of building what i call a brainstormer which is your your mental model now for people listening to this may be aware of my work around the mental models of musicians, but this, this idea especially applies to instruments like the harmonica where you can't see what you're doing and you don't have any visual feedback. And also the harmonica being an instrument that doesn't have a standardized repeatable logic across its range so each octave is laid out differently unlike a piano when you've learned one octave you've learned all of them so the bottom octave in the harmonica is laid out differently to the the top octave for example on a, on a diatonic so just like with instruments like the trumpet where you have uh, a metal tube with three buttons on it you know where is g9 
on a trumpet. The, 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 the instrument does not give you anything to reference or, or hang on to in the same way that you do with a piano or, or, or a guitar. You've got something to, to, look, to look at. So I would throw into this mix, and again, if we come from this perspective of things I wish I'd knew when I first started, I was very lucky that I developed my brain instrument naturally. I'm predisposed, I'm a very visual person, and I was doing it day one, but no one told me to do that. It was purely an accident. And then in the research that I've done, I, I, I know there are lots of people there who are playing, but they, they don't, their mental model is very fuzzy. And the nearest way I can describe this is for a lot of harmonica players, the lights, the lights go out above hole six, right? It all gets a bit random. So just imagine that you have the same clarity that you have between holes one and six, but you have that all the way up to 10 and you have that in, in, you know, first, second, third position. So in terms of a fundamental, when you're starting to play, it, it, it's trying to build this in quotes picture in the mind's eye of, of where the notes are in, in, in on, on the harmonica. Um, so we've, we've spoken about this before, Joe, you, 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 you have a, obviously a very strong mental model. No one taught you to do that. You, you went on a similar path to me. You just did it by accident, but is, is, is this something that you, you feel is important and something that you, that you teach and, 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 and talk about in terms of how people in quotes, see the harmonica? I don't. And I think it could be a weakness in what I'm doing. Um, you, you really made me aware of the, that time that we got together and spoke about, uh, I guess I would say, how clear my mental picture is of where the notes are on the harmonica and how, as you said, fuzzy other people's are. Um, I do try to pay attention, and if I feel like students, uh, people I'm working with, are tending to get lost quickly when playing, then I, I guess I try to point out to them that it might be very helpful to write out something, a visualization where they can actually see what's going on. And I definitely know in the past that I have had... Uh, encounters with people that uh, I would say fuzzy was a really good way of putting it there there where they the confidence that they had or lacked about where they were on the harmonica was really striking to me um, I also I, I want to throw this out as an extreme to what you're saying when I listen to Paul DeLay play, I I often feel like here is an example of a guy that maybe has the absolute strongest mental image of where he's at on the harmonica because he does these Superman-like death-defying leaps all over the place with just humbling accuracy and precision. And um, 
I mean, sometimes it could be argued that what he's playing isn't necessarily uh, meant to be blues, but his style with all those leaps all over the place, I don't think you can do that at all unless you really clearly can see in your mind's eye where you're going and how to go there and get back with precision. So that's something I, I always think of you, Lee, when uh, I'm listening to Paul DeLay, because it, rem it my impression is that he has one of the strongest mental pictures in his head of any harmonica player that I've ever heard. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, he's one of my favorite players. I would have loved to have talked to him about this. And I, and I think what you're saying is exactly right, because the biggest difference between someone like uh, someone like Paul DeLay and a lot of players is, is it's not random. You know, if you have a very strong mental model you, you, that you, you can really control and understand what you're doing. And as you say, the note choices that, that he was making, he's such an original player. Uh, which is so hard to do on, on on the harmonica and a lot of harmonica playing that you hear people are moving around the harmonica going from the adjacent note either higher or lower you don't get these 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 big leaps like Paul Delay did or like little Walter does and again tongue blocking will will will, will help with that um, but he was such an original player. And I think that what we're hearing is an expression of not only what he was trying to say and who he was as a, as a person and, and a, you know, as a singer and as a lyricist, but what we're hearing is, is an expression of, of that mental model in a sense. So it, he, he's able to express himself through that mental model and his picture is so strong that is basically the mechanism through which he can have the voice that he did and do the things that that that, that he that he did because it it's not random it was it was it was deliberate um and and and, and another way to think think about this is if you imagine playing duke now without the harmonica in your hand or 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 mouth I imagine you can you could imagine doing that right mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah perfectly yeah. well right so I could play Duke in my mind now without holding the harmonica right and that that is your brain instrument so I can feel what's that that's like I can hear what it's like but I can also I, how do I know where the notes are? Well, I know where the notes are because I can, in quotes, see them. There's a spatial arrangement sitting in front of me. And that, that, that is the arrangement. And it's very important to develop this when you're playing an instrument like the harmonica, like the trombone, like the trumpet, um, even vocals, because there's no, in quotes, interface that, 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 that you can see. So I th I, there's not enough said about this, really. And I think from day one, when people are learning the major scale in first position or any of these boogie grooves or anything like that, if you can see it in your mind's eye and start to see the notes in space in front of you, however that works for you, then you, you, it's really going to help your harmonica playing as, as, as you develop. Um, 
because as I said, it's not like the piano where you, the instrument provides you with the mental model through its design. Um, now the ne next one I'd throw in there is, is, is music theory. Now, when we've talked about the fundamentals going through there, you've, you're doing things where you're referring to chord tones in the, in the last session, for example. So a lot of harmonica players, I feel, because it's such an accessible instrument, often shy away from learning music theory in a way they wouldn't be able to if they were learning the violin, for example. I, I don't know if that's your, your, your experience in terms of people being a bit, I don't know, either ambivalent or a bit, a bit nervous about it in terms of music theory. Well, it can be a uh, overwhelming thing for some people. Um, I, I try not to make a point of saying, today we're going to talk about music theory. Because I think for a lot of people, it's, it's like opening up the books and putting your nose in the books. It's not about, you know, getting your hands down in the dirt and, and, and working the thing. But I do think knowing music theory is definitely an advantage. It will only give you advantages and possibilities that you wouldn't have if you didn't understand it. Um, I just try to encode it into uh, all the songs that I'm teaching and, and try to make a point to people that, that if they actually learn some of the songs that they are learning valuable aspects to music theory. Um, you know, the, I have a, I have a study song, I call it the Chicago box shuffle. And it starts off with that box shuffle riff and the entire song, uh, it, it really focuses on the notes that are in the blues scale and it avoids the notes that are the major third degree of the scale and the major sixth degree of the scale. So like if somebody actually does learn that well, then they've become familiar whether they recognized it or not. They are going to become familiar with the flavor of that minor pentatonic blues scale. So um, that's sort of my approach to doing it. Um, I do think it's important, and I do think people need to uh, try to develop a sensitivity to uh, these kind of music theory things. Like another example is in a song that uses this uh, blues rumba lick and groove this so that's a song that if you're improvising over you probably don't want to play a lot of blues scale oriented uh sounding stuff it's a little too intense for a, a light blue flavored song like this blues rumba the blues scale is too dark blue it's not wrong but it kind of has a way of saying that you're not paying attention uh to what's musically appropriate for that kind of song yeah so yeah the music theory stuff very 
it, it's important, but I, I just try never to personally present stuff to students, to, to people where they're going to, yeah, where they're going to feel like this makes my head spin. Yeah. But I, 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 I wonder whether again, that, that sort of play, cause again, this is one of these tensions because on the one hand, what's great about the harmonica and, and for, for, for a lot of people who get into the blues, the blues, certainly when I was at school or a lot of, a lot of people, it's not taught in school. So it's something that you come to later in life, potentially. And, and therefore you, you know, you don't have any music education uh, or maybe you played an instrument, but you, you haven't for a long time, right? You, you learned the violin when you were 12 or 13 and you, you gave it up because you didn't like it. Um, and then, then you hear little Walter and you think, well, I'd like to give this a go. And you carrying this baggage from from before so there's this we want and the harmonica is a very accessible instrument anyone can pick it up and get a nice sound out of it very 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 quickly but then it's very deceptively hard to to master so there's this tension around accessibility but i do i do think when we look at the average playing standard and actually coming back to the very top of where we started talking is i do think there's an unhealthy element uh, sometimes in the sense that there's a lot which can make harmonica players lazy, right? In the sense that you don't have to know what the notes are to play in different keys, right? You just pick up a different key, yeah? So you don't really have to know uh, what, what the notes are. You don't have to go through the things that you would need to learn if you were playing the, the saxophone or, you know, or the, or the violin. And because it doesn't have all the chords on it, like a guitar, you just you can get away with knowing very very little right and and i think that sort of all plays into this hands of where people aren't striving to learn the bits they should know and and you don't have to know a lot you know for instance i can't read music right i i i can't sight read i can follow chord charts and stuff but i i, I can't sight read you don't you don't have to learn a lot but I, I, I wonder if there's something being more explicit of saying, you know, from a fundamental level, as a kind of baseline of information, you need to understand chord tones. So when we talk about the root note, major third, minor third, all that stuff, you, you, you understand what that is. And if you... And as a harmonica player, that's really important because when you, you can translate it onto any harmonica, if you you need to understand enough to understand what playing in different positions is, and you need to know enough to understand the main chords in a in in, in a blues, be it an eight bar, twelve bar, sixteen bar, or whatever. But typically, you'll hear the these one four fives. So if you, and you meet a lot of people who don't know what these things are because for various reasons, they're either intimidated about it, they can't be bothered, you know, whatever it is. But I, as a community, if we want to keep raising standards and, and, and help the harmonica, you know, grow, progress and hand on to another generation and so on, I, 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 do, I do think, especially actually, 
when harmonica players are viewed in the eyes of other musicians, if if harmonica players know their stuff, yeah, you, you're you're going to be treated more more seriously on the bandstand. You know, if someone shouts out, okay, you know, 12, 12 bar shuffle with a quick four and let's bring it in from the five. If you know, if you know what that is, do you see what I mean? Instead of oh yeah, oh yeah. So I, so I I I I would certainly encourage people not to shy away from the theory that they do need to learn as a harmonica player and 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 it's not a lot and it and it's nothing compared to what you would have to learn if you were learning the piano the violin the trumpet any any other instrument you can get away with with a lot less um i completely agree it's just it's it can be quite the trick getting people to take it seriously um when i'm teaching in real life i will accompany folks uh with guitar or i'll i'll have a guitar player and i make people right from the beginning count off the song and i Believe it or not, I just have some people that I think it takes them years, a couple years to understand the value and the importance of counting a song off uh, because they will all of a sudden out of nowhere, they'll count a song off and go one, two, one, two, three, four. And just, no, 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 you, no, you no, can't right. do that. Or they'll count off under their breath. I say, no, no, you're not counting off for you. You're counting off for the band. And when you count off, it tells the band where one is critically important. We want to know where the top of the bar is. You can't change it. It's got, it only occurs in one place. And when you count off, it tells us the tempo of the speed of the song. So you can't count off one two, one, two, three, four, it doesn't work. Bad things (laughs) happen. (laughs) Yeah. So again, yeah, counting, timing, these are all, these are all part of, I guess, the, the layers of things that you need, which could be argued as, as fundamentals. And they're things that you improve and and get, get better at over time, but just being able to, communicate with other musicians and for yourself to un- un- understand what what's going on uh yeah. even at a basic level i think i think it can be super you know super helpful um and it's nothing to be frightened of as i said it's it's not it's not hu- hugely complicated and again coming back to the listening skills you know if you if you're learning to you can probably most people will be able to hear the difference between a five and a flat five you know, or a third or a minor third, but being able to label what you hear, right? And to be able to label what the blues scale is and understand, as you were saying, what, where you set the dials in terms of that light blue and dark blue sound and what's the pathway. Well, you get that sound because it's comprised of dominant sevens, flat fives, minor thirds, and so on it's actually very, very empowering. And 
the, 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 it's not that complex, but I think the way you're teaching it and the way modern teaching methods work compared to certainly what my experience was at school is that the theory was very just that it was on uh, paper. You weren't actually playing. And if you can combine, you know, the act of actually playing and, and sort of sneak in some of these, these things through the act of actually doing it, that's that, that I'm sure that's going to be really powerful. Cause I, you know, I hated music at school and came to it later in later in life, you know, Huh. It, it makes me, uh, here having this discussion, listening to you makes me re realize like the, why I put the word songs down, uh, as like one of the fundamentals, the, the idea, I guess, being that if you want to be taken seriously as a musician, then you should have at least a song that you can do and know how to communicate to the other musicians what it is and and kick it off and it could be something as simple as doing a boogie sort of instrumental that incorporates the rest of the band in if you can get that going then you can play a song and that gives you power and respect if and of course, the other extreme is if you can't do a song and all you do is wait for somebody to tell you when to play, <laughs> then you have the least amount of power uh, and control on the bandstand possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the number four in, in, in this list is this idea of playing in different positions as, uh, as a scene from the perspective of, as a, a fundamental. So I, I don't know about you in terms of when you would expect someone to as a beginner to start getting into this idea of, of, of different positions i guess it depends on what their journey has has been but if you're if you're teaching someone but from from the get-go when when do you introduce this idea of, of of different positions do you start mainly in cross or are you getting people to use first positions where they're not bending too much? Is, is that something you do pretty early on? Um, when I'm teaching general harmonica, then I love introducing uh, two chord straight harp first position songs. I'm a, I really think that that is a very powerful way to develop tongue blocking skill and coordination. Um, a lot of the classes, though, are really geared for learning blues. So then I try to keep it mainly cross harp exclusive. I will introduce a melody uh, that in the States uh, is known as taps. It's a bugle, military bugle melody. And it's a very valuable, uh, simple melody for harmonica players because you can play it uh, completely inhaling, completely exhaling, or complete or mixture of the both. You can actually oh, play sweet. that melody in three keys with no bending on one harmonica. So if someone wants to uh, incorporate some of the uh, melodic playing 
that's a really, really, really good starting point. So uh, second position, cross harp, that's the easiest way to introduce yourself and, and feel like you're doing something that's very bluesy. And I just kind of wait and see um, before I introduce any of the other positions into the playing. You know, third position, there's some pretty easy stuff that can be done uh, blues-wise. Um, if somebody's uh, an intermediate player and they're going out and checking out blues jams and they're, they're really serious about that, it would be more likely that I would introduce third position to them on the earlier side just because of the, the higher percentage of songs that most people will uh, come across going to blues jams in a minor key. And uh, third position doesn't have to be minor, but it's no. probably the most minor key friendly position to step into. So that's that that's kind of covers the, you know, my uh, introduction to positions and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I think for me, I think from the pro point of view as a fundamental if you're learning to play in these other positions, it again helps your mental machinery and helps you helps your mental model of the harmonica because you're forced to really understand these different how this how the same instrument and the same layout can be played in a different way. So I think it's very healthy for people at the right point in their development to learn to play in these in these different positions because if you learn to play third position and first position it's going to make your cross position better and also you can then start and this is getting into intermediate and, and, and advanced but when we think about a, a 12 bar blues for example when you're going through those chord changes when you're on the four chord you can think of yourself as playing first position Right. If you if you mm -hmm. if you're in E and you're using an A harp, when you go to the four, you're in A, right? And similarly, across the five, well, you can play third. You can think of that as third. So this is a starting to take more of a jazz approach where you're playing actually through the chord changes. You can you can anchor yourself and play in E all the way across. But if you want to do what Paul Delay is doing, for example, he's he's playing through the chord changes. Um, you know, with a more of a kind of jazz approach. So again, learning these different positions not only gives you more musical options when you go to a jam, as you say, and and takes you into that. You know, if you want to do that Jimmy Reed kind of thing, um, you're you're showcasing a different kind of quality of of the of the harmonica, but it's also learning first and third will help you reinforce second and a lot of players just get stuck in second completely agree um so you you mentioned the the four chord is like playing first position so that's one of the nice things about uh, working on songs that have got a sequenced idea in them 
So um, for this box shuffle. So there's no bending in that. But when you go to the four chord, uh, then you got to reconcile with a note that might not sound right. So uh, the four chord. So it it's really setting people and prepping them for that time where they want to take that plunge and experiment with different positions. Yeah, so. And then lastly, I've got here this idea of playing different keys of harps. So the way that we play the harmonica when we play in different keys, we use different harmonicas and I don't know about you, Joe, but for me, when I think of different harmonicas going from a low A or a low F up through to a, an F or a E flat E, they're, they're like different people. You know, they've all, they've all got their own characters. And again, as I'm talking to you now, if I think about playing, you know, a G harp in cross position, I can really feel what that's like. I'm, I can, really, I can, I, and you've probably got the same thing when I'm saying that. I can feel that draw too. And it's very different if I now say, you know, cross position on a, on a C harp, right? And because from a mechanical point of view, I guess, and you, you, you will know a lot more about this than I do, when you look under the hood, under the cover plates, you're dealing with different uh, lengths of, of metal, which make the reeds and, uh, you know, different profiles and, and, and so on and so forth. But all of this gives these instruments a different character, whether they are made by Hona, Suzuki or, 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 or Zydel. So when we think about playing fundamentals, from my point of view, if you cannot tear into an F harp in the same way that you you play a low F or, or, or a G, right? They, they, you can't do the draw three, the bends there in, this, in the same way. You've got to be able to adjust your, the horsepower and the technique that, that, you, that you use. Do you, do you feel in here the, the same kind of things that I'm talking about? Does that resonate? A hundred percent, most definitely. Yeah, definitely. So as part of getting to grips, you know, at a, at a elemental, fundamental aspect of the harmonica, obviously when you first get one, you probably only got one and it's probably a C. But as you start to progress and you get more of them, it's very important that we, we learn to use diff, different harmonicas as, you know, as, a, as a skill so we can understand how to play across its range. I mean, I know myself now, I play at home mostly. I'm, you know, I don't tour anymore. And for me, the temptation is always to grab a B flat, an A, you know, and I'm probably a little bit rusty on really getting the best out of an E harp or any flat. I can do it. I can play them, but am I as connected to that instrument as as I used to be when I was practicing because I would deliberately work on you know playing all those different types of, of uh, harmonicas. 
it, 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 it's it's something you have to actively work on because it's it's easy just to reach for the a harp or the b or the b flat harp right and then when you come to yes yeah so i i also uh view the range of harmonicas uh in terms of the dynamic capabilities that they have so basically when i'm thinking a d you know e f harmonica i even have a high g yeah actually i have a high a that i put together for myself i i have those for very specific reasons um and mostly it has to do with how loud they are the the those high key harmonicas are capable of really being vicious in an acoustic situation where forget it you know a g harmonica you can have the best tone in the world and um if you can't be heard it really has no value to it so if if uh, i'm in a situation where i'm doing an acoustic jug band style of thing i may very well take on the persona of being sunny boy one and how he played the harmonica in that approach uh, especially because of how it comes out dynamically is the way to go on a higher key harmonica um like yeah. or the song like the for example, the song "Good Morning, Little Schoolgirl," that kind of thing. Uh, it, I used to do that song years ago with a guy that liked to do it in the key of D, like dog. And there was just no way that you could use a G harp on it. the The high G worked beautifully because it had this edgy bite. Yeah, it it, it just growled, and and I could play and feel like I wasn't constrained. I, I wasn't f like uh, caged in. We're, we're with a G harp, forget it. It, it doesn't work. So I, I often very th much when choosing a harmonica, like in the songwriting process, I really ask what is, what flavor of this song do we want to have here? You know, is it is it a song that has to have bite and attitude, or is it more of a mellow song? And and so that also is really important. I, I think people forget that a F harmonica more or less is twice as loud, capable of being twice as loud as a low F harmonica, which is more or less twice as loud as the double low F harmonica. Yeah. So that kind of stuff really, you know, figures in. Yeah. And um, yeah, to get the best out of these harmonicas, it, it is learning what, what you need to do with the reeds and, 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 and how they, how they feel and developing that connection with them. I think the, this this idea of a G and a high G is a, and the and the and the, the dynamics is, is a really nice thing. It, it's also this pathway to building tension. You know, if you it's the equivalent of a of a guitar playing moving up the fretboard when that when they really want to build a, a solo. They you know they go they go from you know E up up to the the twelfth fret and then and and make it you know uh, build 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 the tension. So if you're if you're 
using a G half and then in the second chorus of uh, your solo, you, you switch to a high G, it can be really effective in terms of building, building that tension. Yeah, agreed. Be able to mix it up like that, you know. So those are my things I would throw into the mix. I think we've we've violently agreed on on <laughs> on, on all of them, but it's good to to, to kick 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 around those things. I'm I'm particularly passionate about the the listening element and the brain instruments one. For me, they they make such a difference, and um, I'd make a case for 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 all of them. But uh, for me, those, those those are ones that would really help people um, the most. So. I think I can only wrap this up by saying thank you, Joe, for your oh, man. time and your commitment for this conversation. I've absolutely loved it. And uh, it's a real privilege to be able to have this conversation and also the, 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 the space within the podcast format to be able to talk in, uh, in such depths around these things, which is, which is quite hard to do in, in, in other format so i really hope people listening to this uh have enjoyed this 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 conversation and uh appreciate the the depth and the detail that we've 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 gone into which is pretty geeky but that's <laughs> that, that that that's the, that's the whole point so it's been it's been a real pleasure to kick to to kick it around uh kick it around so just uh, again just to re, re recap Joe's fundamentals are the harmonica. Go to feliscostore.com or search Joe Felisco yes. in, in Google. Correct. There's a whole bunch of other stuff there to, to check out. And we've been talking about chords, active blues breathing, chords and tongue blocking, notes and tongue blocking, and this idea of riffs, licks, hooks, and songs. And it's been an absolute pleasure, Joe. And I hope to everyone who's listening to it, you've enjoyed it, and this will help your harmonica playing. Sure has been a pleasure. I was wondering if we would get to the point where we were disagreeing, but unfortunately we'll have to have that for another time, maybe another podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, it would be love, lovely to do another, another episode with you on, an, on, on another topic. We, we, we were trying to think about what we would talk about and there were several there were lots of things we could talk about and we we settled on this and i'm I'm so glad that we did uh choose this particular topic it's been it's, it's been, been great for me been great for me i really really appreciate the platform and and just getting to talk with you is such a joy because i i i feel like there's so much that we uh strongly strongly agree upon so it's nice to get into this situation with you and make sure that my thinking is as clear as possible. So I, I appreciate the opportunity with you very, very much. Thanks, Joe. Pleasure's all mine. Brilliant. Thank you. It's been such a joy to geek out with Joe in this series of conversations. I hope we have the chance to do it again sometime. So we've suggested 10 harmonica fundamentals, which I'm sure people will debate. They are from Joe, chords, active blues breathing, chords and tongue blocking, single notes and tongue blocking, and finally, riffs, hooks, licks, and songs. 
And today I've thrown five more into the mix, which are intended to augment the ones Joe has suggested. And they are listening in a digital age, building your brainstorming, i.e. your mental model, music theory, playing in different positions, playing in using different key harps. Joe and I hope this series of conversations has been helpful and dare I say, hopefully at certain points, entertaining. We've certainly had a blast putting it together. Thanks again to everyone who's been in touch during the series and we hope you can join us for the replay live on September the 26th. Look out for announcements on how to get tickets on my Facebook page or sign up to my email list at leesankey.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can help by writing a review and giving it a rating wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get in touch with your questions, comments and ideas by emailing info at leesankey.com. Once again, thanks to my special guest, Joe Felisco, and to you for listening. Until next time, keep well.